Welcome to the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smokies Mountains National Park and the surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep storied history, and rich mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I'm Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family is leaving the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today, we're going to talk about quality brewing in the Smokies. But first, a sponsor's message, which happens to be me. <laughs> Imagine a place evocative of motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant with a chic Appalachian feel and the amenities of a country inn. A place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch on fire, and eat accompanied by fine wine or craft beers. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. There is no other place like the Middle Art Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Your Smoky Mountain adventures start with where you stay. Another sponsor is SmokiesAdventure.com. That's Smokies, plural, adventure, singular.com. The Smoky Mountains and surrounding area is a vacation destination for all seasons. Some of the nation's best hiking trails, waterfalls, outdoor adventures, and family entertainment can be found right here. Start your adventure by using SmokiesAdventure.com to explore all the wonderful features of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Trails, waterfalls, Cades Cove, the Elk, and more. Then check out the awesome family attractions and entertainment you and your entire family can enjoy. And if you're wanting to do things like outdoor life events like weddings or honeymoons, Smokey's Adventures got you covered. It can let you know where some of the great places to go and to have your event can happen. The goal of SmokiesAdventure.com is to become the leading information portal for adventures and experiences in the Great Smokies Mountains. So I want to give you a couple of events that are coming up. There's a Mountain Heritage book series happening in Maggie Valley, North Carolina at the Metal Arc Motel. And on Saturday, March 26, 2022, at 4 p.m., renowned author Bob Plott will lead a seminar on the history of hunting in the Great Smoky Mountains, followed by a barbecue dinner and music with Mike Ogletree, former drummer of Simple Minds, and, and various guests for that evening. Call 828-926-1717 for more information. And as I've mentioned before, we're going to have a big fly fishing camp in April here at the Middle Arc Motel. What's better for the soul than throwing a line upstream, watching it pass, doing it again and again, and perhaps getting a bite? I don't know. All anglers know that fishing isn't only about reeling in the big one, although that always gets our blood a pumping. Uh, but fly fishing is about being one with the river, its magnificent presence, while witnessing a valuable ecosystem. The Metal Arc Motel is offering a fly fishing camp on a weekend on April 15th to the 17th in the Smoky Mountains. Our goal is to bring like-minded people together through fly fishing, food, drinks, stories, and campfire. Friday night will feature fishing tales of the Smokies, uh, beverages of your choice at, uh, at the speakeasy, uh, a charcuterie board full of uh, small bites and trout delicacies, and lodging at the Metal Arc Motel. And then Saturday, uh, breakfast 
full of wonderful delights, a half day of awe and hands uh, construction, four hours of intense fishing on an elite regional trout stream, and then additional fishing in the Mountain Heritage Trout Stream in the backyard. There'll be a barbecue dinner, live musical entertainment, campfires, and again, lodging at the Middle Ark Motel. Call 828-926-1717 to get more information and to reserve your space. There, we're going to be talking about brewing in the Smokies soon, and I just wanted to give you a little insight into it. You know, the, this area has become quite a, a, a brewmaster's uh, paradise. It's actually considered one of the top areas for getting a craft beer in the nation. Asheville is considered oftentimes the top uh, city to get uh, uh, get a, a craft beer, and there's many surrounding towns and counties have become grown into quite little uh, brew capitals of themselves. There are more breweries in and around Asheville than you can shake a stick at. And the economic impact of this brewing industry is almost a billion dollars, right? The local beer industry is the second largest manufacturing employer in the Asheville metro area. It supports almost 3,500 jobs. The industry generated uh, 33.4 million in local tax revenues. And it's, it has generated over $115 million for local, state, and federal governments. Um, it saw a 357% growth from 2014 to 2019. These statistics are from 2019. But let me tell you, after a couple months in 2020, when we were shut down for COVID, it's been growing even more. It's been growing great guns. It's added, you know, well over 1,200 jobs, a most, the most among manufacturing industries, and for every direct job in the industry, approximately one additional role was created to support in the local, local economy. So not only is it a wonderful tourism experience uh, and, and culinary and, and vibing experience, but it's also been important for the, the, the local economy here in the mountains. So we have an expert with us today. His name is Corey Bryson. He is the co-owner with his wife, Lori Bryson, of Balsam Falls Brewery, which is an award-winning, he's an award-winning craft beer artisan and certified beer judge. He and his wife are also, uh, I think it's Cicerone, he'll tell me in a minute whether that's correctly said or not, certified beer servers. They now own and operate Balsam Falls Brewing in Silva, where Corey has family roots that go back over 150 years. He and Laurie are also well-known community activists in Jackson County and take pride in making their homes there. Hello, Corey. How are you doing? I'm doing good today. Yeah? yeah. So um, you didn't grow up here, but your family's from here, right? That's correct. Uh, my dad went off to college, uh, went to NC State, mm-hmm. uh, went in the Navy, and I was actually born in California, grew up all over the Southeast, uh, but every sum- summer I spent uh, in these mountains with my grandparents. So. That's fabulous. You know, that's exactly what I do with my son, Ethan, who's now 30, is that, uh, you know, I left and went out to New York and different places, but um, I made sure he did come back every summer, right? And it's, I think it's important to keep, touch base with your cultural you oh, know, yes. roots that way because both of us, you know, have hundreds of years of right. cultural uh, base in here. So it's great that you come back. So you've lived in a lot of places, but you ended up in Florida, right? I did. Um, We moved to Florida in 2000 Mm -hmm. and lived there until 2016. Cool. And you have have an information technology background. Yes. So where did you go to school? 
I have an associate's degree in electronics, actually, uh, from a school that was in Louisville, Kentucky. I don't mm-hmm. think it's around anymore. Right. Uh, Rest Electronics Institute. Um, I went into, uh, did a few different things. One of the things I did was I was a broadcast engineer for a TV station. That's good. Little Rock. Uh, and then I went into IT and I worked in that pretty much up until uh, we opened the business and I've worked in it some recently. Cool. Uh, since then. But. My, you know, my son was, uh, when he uh, when he left uh, his school, he, was, he went to school, he was going to be a marine biologist, right? And then he went to Wilmington and he uh, discovered that they had this wonderful kinetic science degree, which was learning about how the body, and he ended up getting interested in powerlifting. Oh, uh, and so he's been doing like powerlifting for 10 years plus. So he had, he got a wellness position with a corporation and stuff. But now recently he's told me he's going to be in it. And, you know, my, I have some <laughs> it background in, right. uh, in my past. So, um, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a good business to be in, but it sometimes it's not as fun as it could be. <laughs> sometimes you, you find a hobby that, uh, you just can't shake. Yeah. And in my life, I've been called a collector of hobbies. So I'd, I'd take up one hobby and I'd work at it and work at it, get tired of it, go on to something else. Um, but when I took up brewing, it just stuck. Oh, really? And it took over a good part of my life. <laughs> and I said, well, if I'm this interested in it, if it can keep my attention for more than three months um, and then more than a year, more than two years, more than five years. Uh, maybe there's something here yeah. that, uh, that I can work so, with. So, um, so it started, uh, that, you know, that's an interesting thing. It started as a hobby. What was your hobby before, uh, for, uh, what was an example of a hobby? Before? Um, wow. Uh, you name it. I, I, gaming. I, I, yeah, I was a gamer for a yeah, while. That's I mean, my son is IT. Yeah. I built computers. I was a photographer. Yeah. I yeah. Photography for a while. Did a lot of digital photography, did some weddings and things like that. Well, you know, you see this artwork here. I consider that a hobby, <laughs> a, a vo- an avocation instead of a vocation. Right. right? <laughs> so, um, so you, 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 your hobby became a reality in Tampa, Florida, right? Yes. Now. And, um, you know, as you, uh, and you, you started getting a reputation for it there, right? Yeah. Uh, when I first got interested in brewing, um, we joined a local homebrew club, mm-hmm. uh, Brandon Bootleggers Homebrew Club. Um, they had um, monthly meetings and they had a lot of great people there uh, that brewed beer and learned a lot from them. Mm-hmm. We got together. Uh, separately as uh, kind of a side project to the club was a competition team. And we would get together once a month and judge uh, several different beers. They could be craft beers. They could be homebrew. Um, and we would go through your standard judge judging uh, score sheet. And that helped uh, uh, calibrate my palate to uh to what it should be and to know what i'm tasting and why it's there or why it shouldn't be there Mm -hmm. and that really got me interested in judging beer and that's how i moved on to well i mean it's probably very complex but is there some things that uh, that you can tell people to how to judge a beer is good there's some some of the simple measures that you could yeah well (laughs) as a beer judge the biggest thing is 
you have to judge a beer based on its style. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't fit into a style category, uh, then the question becomes, does it taste good? Mm -hmm. Uh, Does it taste like it's well-balanced? Is this a beer that you can drink and enjoy? Um, Maybe you want another one. Or if it's a beer that you drink and you're not sure about and not sure you want another one, well, that's that's your own personal preference and taste, and that's that's the most important thing in in drinking beer is drinking beer that you like and mm. uh, that you enjoy. So at the other day, if you like it, you judge it appropriately, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, well, I mean, but the, but a, the thing is, there's like the gradation, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a big difference between judging a beer uh, based on very stringent style guidelines mm-hmm. and drinking a beer just to enjoy it. Okay, so. cool. Well, we have to take a break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk more about that and then how it evolved into a career. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Corey Bryson. So, Corey, you are a Cicerone certified beer server. So tell me what that means. Uh, well, the Cicerone program is uh, equivalent to a sommelier mm-hmm. in wine, um, and that is the entry level. Um, it's something that we encourage our staff to go through. Uh, to take that certification um, so that they have a better uh, base of, of beer knowledge. Um, so it's, it's, it's really an entry level uh, certification. When my wife and I decided to start this business, we said, well, at the very least we should, uh, we should have that for ourselves, know what it takes to pass it and encourage our staff to do the same. And how long does it usually take to get one of those? Um, I'd say, Depending on who you are and your basic knowledge <laughs> and how, how well you study, uh, probably about six weeks and you can get the, the yes, information down. And then what's higher than that? What's the, what's the higher? Uh, then you become uh, a, that's the level one, I guess. Mm. And then you become a certified Cicero. I see. Which that is a, equivalent to a, a base uh, or a first level sommelier. I see. So, wow. In beer. So that's interesting. Is it... Um... It's not as well known as being a sommelier, but uh, yeah, right. Well, is it trying, is it trying to become that well known? Yeah. It is, but it's it's very becoming very well respected in the industry mm-hmm. because sommeliers wine is is always promoted as being uh, the high culture thing, mm-hmm. and what many people don't realize is that beer has such a deep, deep history. And we have hundreds of classic styles that are out there. Mm-hmm. What makes one different from the other? Mm-hmm. That's that's what an expert in beer would know. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas uh, an expert in wine can tell you the difference between different grapes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, beer basically uses all the same ingredients. Um, you know, your malt is your malt, your hops are your hops, although there are different types of hops. And there are different types of malts, depending on how uh, highly they're kilned. Uh, that determines how dark the malt is and mm-hmm. hence how dark your beer becomes. But uh, so. Wow. And what, uh, I, mean, I, don't, I don't want to put you in a spot, but what does Cicero mean? 
Uh, honestly, I've seen the definition of it before, but I don't recall. Is it a name or or a, I, that's interesting? It almost sounds like a, a classic character for some literature or something <laughs> like that. Right? Yeah. Oh, Shakespeare. Okay, Shakespeare. cool. All right, that was. Mike, our, our 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 engineer in the background, giving us an insight. Yeah, so um, so you came here to, to you start. Did you start your beer business in Tampa or here? No, uh, I was very involved in the Tampa Bay craft beer scene mm-hmm. um, along with my homebrew club um, in Florida. Homebrewers could bring their creations to beer festivals mm-hmm. and serve there. Uh, so our homebrew club was invited to a number of the uh, the beer festivals that Tampa Bay had, and so we met a lot of the brewers there. Uh, the community is very open and uh, very engaged in uh, that craft beer scene. Uh, so we became very involved with that. Uh, my wife, who's not here with us, uh, <laughs> was the co-organizer of the Bay Area Barley's Angels, which was a women's. <laughs> uh, yeah. A women's that's craft, a great yeah. name <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a national or probably international mm-hmm. uh women's craft beer organization right and they would go around and visit breweries and talk to uh brewery reps and so we just kind of became embedded in in that uh that culture in tampa um it, it wasn't until we had a couple of guys from our homebook brew club uh who decided to open a brewery in tampa um that we thought well, that's kind of interesting because we have been wanting to move back, uh, mm-hmm. move here to Silva and to, to Western North Carolina, um, but weren't sure how we were going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were looking for a way to make it happen. And uh, after seeing these two guys, one was a, a banker, the other was a, a auto body mechanic, and they got together and got some investors and opened a brewery and were very successful. And we thought, Hmm. hmm. That that might be a possibility. So we talked to them. They shared their business plan with us. We worked on it for about three years and uh, finally came to the point where we needed to uh, make it happen. Mm-hmm. So um, we got uh, we sold our house in Tampa, quit our jobs, moved up here and started working to, to make it happen. So why did you decide to do it in Silver? Um <laughs> I've always loved Western North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't grow up here, but I spent every summer here growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always loved it. It always felt like home because I moved around a lot as a kid. I lived all over the Southeast and um, these mountains have always felt like home to me mm-hmm. and I wanted to be here. Um, <clears throat> so when we started looking, we were looking at, Jackson County, where Silva is, and at Haywood County. Uh, we looked in Waynesville and Canton as well when we were looking for locations and uh, finally decided on Silva. Well, Silva was a lovely little town. It was a great place for You already had a couple breweries there, and, and one of them died, right? Uh, actually, we had two of them that went out of business. Really? Yeah. There were three breweries in Silva when we finally made the decision that Silva was going to be our home, uh, the home for the brewery. Um, and we were a little bit concerned with three breweries already mm-hmm. in a very small town. Um, but we knew that we could make it happen. So mm-hmm. we 
Wow. So, I mean, I mean, when you're smarting a small business is, is tough. It is. And uh, you come into a town of three breweries. How did you, how did you succeed? How did you stay in existence? Um, well, one month before we opened, one of the breweries closed and it was unfortunate because mm. uh, I knew the owner really well and liked him. I'd even talked to him about petition, uh, potentially uh, doing a joint venture and, and, you know, having us come in and maybe work with him and make that brewery into what it could be. Um, but that didn't work out. So, uh, he ended up closing. Um, and then once we had opened, um, it was a lot about the, the feeling and the ambiance of mm-hmm. our location. Um, we wanted to be, warm and friendly and, and family friendly and inviting, uh, the place that you can come into. Um, and if you're a regular, everybody knows your name, you know, mm-hmm. the, kind of the cheers mentality. Um, and that's what we did. So, uh, from day one, the focus was, uh, to take care of our customers, to be there for our customers, to make them feel wanted and welcome and, um, not be these, uh, the industrial, brewery where you know you want to be a here's your beer and then nobody talks to you and they're they're too busy mm-hmm. to to even give you the time of day so hospitality is an important right. part of what you do so it's not just a brewery it's a hospitality as well Absolutely. right cool so you named it balsam falls right yes and there's a there's a beautiful waterfall near there called balsam falls and is it is and i know water is important for all making of Beer, wine, whatever. Is that is that reason why you named it Balsam Falls? Um, no, actually, when we came up with the name Balsam Falls, there was no Balsam Falls. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> we searched and searched. We did a, the whole trademark search. We had seen too many of our friends in the brewing industry um, get hammered with $100,000 worth of uh, legal bills because someone wanted to challenge them on their name. Yeah. So before we even moved up here, we started the trademark process on that name. Um, but the name came from, from two things. Number one, uh, in the early seventies in Silva, uh, there was an active waterfall and mm-hmm. it was the only municipality in the country that had an active waterfall within the city limits. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they put the great Smoky mountain expressway through, um, they diverted the waterfall and it was called Dills falls. Mm-hmm. And we actually have a picture of it on the front of our bar. Uh, so we wanted to pay homage to that. And we also wanted to have a name that really evoked our locality. Mm. And, you know, we've got the plot balsam mountain range that runs right between where we are here and Silva. Mm. And <clears throat> balsam was, was something that just kept coming up and balsam just felt like the smoky mountains and oh, you yeah. know, the, the plot balsam mountain range is topped by uh, by balsam trees. You've got he balsam and she balsam is what they used to call them. Um, you got the, the spruce trees and the fir trees. So mm-hmm. um, those things really uh, spoke to us and we wanted to evoke a feeling of this area. Cool. And at some point later on, someone, I don't know if they just named this falls, balsam falls and put it on the internet, but we spent a lot of money to make sure that <laughs> there wasn't a Balsam Falls just to make sure uh, that we, we got our trademark done. Well, that's fabulous. So there is a lot of uh, breweries in this area, right? There are. And um, 
So, I mean, uh, hospitality, you've already mentioned. Is there any other competitive advantages that you've created uh, for your beer and your brewery? Well, there are a few things. Uh, One of the things that that we saw uh, that we really wanted to do is we wanted to um, create a place where, where people who were new to craft beer could come and learn about what makes craft beer craft beer. Uh, we wanted to serve the craft beer in real beer glasses. Mm. Um, most breweries that you go to, they're content with putting their beer in your standard cocktail shaker glass. Right. Um, as part of our Cicerone certified beer service <laughs> training and something that I knew long before that, but uh, was that a real beer glass should have curves. And that's why our hashtag is beer curves are better is because not because I'm fat, but because the, curved glasses. <laughs> but the curves in those glasses have oh. a purpose. So these are not the um, right glasses. Then. And unfortunately, um, <laughs> it, it wouldn't be my first choice to take yeah. the beer out of. Well, we're um, doing it for branding purposes, yeah. not for, uh, yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, if you go to Europe, every beer has its own glass. Yeah. Um, you don't, order a, a beer in Europe and get it in a shaker glass. Mm. You know, those glasses, I hate to get on my soapbox, but yeah. those glasses were designed to shake cocktails ah. and they were cheap. They were like, you know, they were like 50 cents a piece. You can drop them on the floor. They don't break. So in the eighties, a unnamed big industrial beer company decided to put their logo on the side of these glasses, give them away to bars and say, here, pour beer in that glass. It was never meant to be a beer glass. Real beer glasses have curves. Those curves have a purpose. When it curves in, that helps retain the head and retain the aroma. The curve out at the lip of the glass well, that's helps, interesting. Yeah. helps it roll onto your tongue. Yeah. So. Well, cool. Well, we have to take a break now, right. and we're going to talk more about your brewery when we get back. Okay. All right. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Corey Bryson. So, Corey, um, you, I interrupted you because I had to go to break about you talking about glassware, glassware. I thought it was pretty interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, well, I'll, t- I'll put it to you this way. If you've got a good beer glass at home, you can do an experiment for yourself. Mm-hmm. Take one of the shaker pint glasses and take a real beer glass that has the curves uh, like I'm talking about and put your favorite beer in, in each glass mm-hmm. and take a sip out of each one and see, or well, take two sips out of each one. Uh, you always want to acclimate your palate. Uh, take two sips out of each one and see if you notice the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were planning our glassware for the brewery, we did exactly that. We ordered samples of a bunch of glassware from the company we were going with. Um, and we sat down and we had, uh, we did in sets of four, we had a shaker glass as our, uh, as our control. And then we had three other beer glasses and we put the same beer in each one, tasted each one, uh, to determine which one we thought accentuated that beer the best. Um, we ended up choosing two, uh, two glasses, one for our IPAs, one for our standard pints. Since then we've added, uh, 
balloon glasses, Belgian style beer glasses for uh, smaller pours and things like that. But uh, well, so that's very much like a brandy snifter, right? It's, yes, it's like I, you can tell the the major difference in brandy. I mean, you can't even get the experience of brandy without the right right cool. I didn't even know that uh, yeah. that uh, that that the beer had that sort of thing, and I did I drink it all the time. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you've got to realize our our sense of taste mm-hmm. is not really our sense of taste. It's mostly our sense of smell. Yeah. Um, so if you're not getting the aromas from that beer that you're supposed to get, that the brewer intended you to get, mm-hmm. then you're missing out on half the experience. Cool. So when you um, you created uh, your, uh, your your business. Um, and it's not dissimilar to what we're doing is we, we created something called the heritage club. You created something called the founders club that helped you yes. build that. What, what was the founders club? Uh, well, it was something that is now closed. Um, when we were first <laughs> opening, um, we needed to get a lot of work done. So yeah. we needed to do painting and, uh, mud drywall and, uh, do all kinds of trim work and things like that. Um, so we put it out to our friends and family and things like that. Um, Hey, if you want to become a founder, here's what you do. Um, give us 25 hours of work while we're trying to get this business open. Uh, in exchange, we'll give you a t-shirt, uh, that's a unique t-shirt that says founders club on it. You're the only one that'll ever have one of those. And, uh, we'll also give you some other discounts that, so it's like a sort of a GoFundMe with for labor. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, we got that idea from uh, a brewery in the Tampa Bay area that opened yeah. it, did something very similar to that. And it worked well for you? It worked really well for us. We got the painting done. We made some great friends. I mean, yeah. even even and, more and loyal than, customers. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the idea was, okay, we're, we're getting the labor, sure, but we're also creating our cheerleaders mm-hmm. because – hopefully, and probably about half of the people that, that finished uh, becoming complete founders uh, are now regular customers of ours. So, wow. um, yeah, we give them free stuff, but they come in all the time and they bring their friends in and they're friends of ours. So, I mean, these people, are we've known them for over four and a half years at this point. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're like family. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you know, I have this motel. So, you know, I've got, been around since the 50s. And there's people that come here and I say they were, they were here for their honeymoon in the 60s. So we're talking about a heritage club. And one thing we're doing is all these heritage events. But I am thinking about, you know, rewarding these people mm-hmm. like with a special status because, listen, they uh, <laughs> they supported it all the years. Right. So. But the thing I think I, that's, I like about you, you know, we're a three-star um, pine, three-pine uh Three Pine Hotel, Motel, where I think we're the only Three Pine west of Asheville, right? Okay. Which is a state designation of uh, sustainability. Okay. Right? Um, and I know you're active You're active in environmental issues, right? Yes. Okay. So how does that become part of uh, your business? Well, brewers use a lot of water, mm-hmm. and they generate uh, a lot of waste. Um First thing you have to figure out is how are you going to get rid of some of that waste? <laughs> um, spent grain after it's gone through the mashing process, uh, it still has some nut- nutritional value. So uh, we connected with a local farmer who comes by on brew days and drops off drums. We fill them up with spent grain. He takes them back and feeds them to his uh, uh, his hogs, mostly, I believe. So 
Wow. And uh, that makes it, uh, yeah. they, they probably like that. <laughs> they do. <laughs> it collects a lot of yeah. it. So you're a nano brewing operation. What does that yes. mean? Uh, nano brewing is generally uh, considered under three barrels mm-hmm. uh, per batch uh-huh. of production. We're actually a one barrel brewery. So once we complete a cycle of uh, brewing, we expect to get about 31 gallons of beer out on the back end. I see. And now is that, is that a licensed sort of a, oh, a d- different differentiation? Uh, no, there's not a licensing differentiation. It's really um, just a matter of production. Really? So, yeah. I mean, I used to work with breweries up in, in New York and I knew that a microbrewery, you know, had certain limitations, but it also got the benefits of certain things just of being a brewer, a, a winery. Yeah. Right. I didn't know if that was a, uh, something, uh, do you have to get a not, brewery designation in North Carolina? No, no, you do not. You no. just have to, uh, once you have your federal, uh, brewer's notice, you go to the state and, um, get it set up to them, but it's not, uh, uh, there's not any type of, uh, no. level that you have to, uh, stay within. Now are most breweries in the North Carolina area nano brewers? No, no, I would say not. Right. Um, I've met a few other nano breweries. Most, uh, most breweries that are starting up know better mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because nano brewing is very labor intensive. Yeah. Um, you know, most of the time we're not brewing one barrel of beer. We we're double batching uh, in an 11 hour day, brewing two barrels and putting that mm-hmm. in the fermenter. Yeah. Um, and we will do that two times, three times, sometimes four times a week, mm-hmm. depending on uh, the demand at that point. Wow. So. Now, most breweries, I, well, I don't know most, but I would say my experience of a lot of breweries is they don't actually build a restaurant, right? They get a food truck to come in if they do anything, right? right. And so you actually have done the work of bringing in a restaurant. That's expensive. Why? Uh, well, a couple of reasons. When we um, first opened, um, our thoughts were to do exactly that, bring in a food truck. Um, and we talked to the town a couple of times and didn't really get very far with them about giving us a parking spot for a food truck Mm -hmm. Um, just in the evenings and weekends and things like that. uh, It was, we couldn't gain traction on that. Right. Um, So within the first couple of months, we knew that we needed food on site and we tried other things as well. We, uh, um, you could have done catering. Yeah, we did catering a couple of times. (laughs) We actually set up special deals with a few of the restaurants in the area mm-hmm. to deliver straight to our bar stools. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, one one of the businesses um, they had did not have a delivery service at all at that, that time, but they would deliver to us. Right. And you know now they've got a huge delivery business, so <laughs> it really helped them out. Um, but we just we realized early on that it just wasn't going to work, so we started fairly early um, working on getting food on site. Uh, and did you get a chef? What, how did you create? Uh, your, your well, food initially we had uh, we built out the kitchen, and we had a tenant uh, in that space mm-hmm. um, that we opened in August of 2019. With that, uh, then of course COVID shutdown hit <laughs> March uh, 2020. Uh, when we were able to reopen in June of 2020, um, the lease was almost up. And uh, we decided to part ways with our tenant mm-hmm. and take over that space entirely. And at that point, we did hire an executive chef to help us 
put in the right equipment, plan our menu, and uh, and get us where we needed to be. Yeah, and what kind of food do you, do you have now? Uh, we have, uh, of course, burgers. Uh, we have flatbreads. We have wings. We have a variety of sandwiches. Uh, we have Cuban. We have a spicy chicken sandwich. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you're all day, right? Yes. All to breakfast, Broken. lunch, and dinner. Uh, not breakfast. Not breakfast. Uh, breakfast uh, isn't really beer time. Oh, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we open at 11 uh, yeah. and start serving lunch. Then. Cool. You know, um, there is a restaurant in uh, New York City. It's a French restaurant. It started in France. It was started by a winery. Oh. Right? Here's an interesting story about it. It can't be replicated, right? But what they did is they, they had to, you know, they needed, people really wanted to have food while they were drinking wine, right? So they created one dish. And they got somebody to create one dish, which was steak with this, this with the steak and the special sauce and and frites, which are fries, right? Well, the special sauce was so great that the food became this huge hit, and people came from miles away. And by the way, they drank wine too, right? Yeah. And it became such a big thing. They created just a restaurant that goes now in several places all over the world. All it serves is this steak frites with this special sauce, and then you can pick your wines and pick your desserts. <laughs> right? It's kind of interesting, right? Uh, so um, can you tell us about the brews, the beers you brew? Uh, well, um, as we were talking earlier, uh, as a brewer, I like a lot of different kinds of beer. I'm not the type of person that will just drink one. Um, so we have a lot of variety in mm-hmm. our brewery. We have a total of 36 taps. Wow. Um, two of those are taken up as guest taps. One mm-hmm. for a white wine, one for a Prosecco. <laughs> uh, <laughs> people like their mimosas for yeah, brunch and things yeah, like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the other 36 taps, our goal is to keep beers and our other products on those. So. Mm-hmm. Um, our, we have, you never know what you're going to find when you come in. You know, right now well, what got, are your staples? Uh, we have End of the Mist, which is our uh, Southern IPA, what we call a Southern IPA. IPA yeah. uh, we've got uh, Bind Pounder, which is a double IPA. We've got Go West, which is a more of a West Coast style IPA. Uh, we've got uh, 87 Eagle Blonde. Um, the one year I did live here growing up was my senior year in high school. Graduated from Silva Webster in 1987. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, wow. So, and their mascot was the Golden Eagles. So when I was looking for a name for the blonde, there you go. Mm-hmm. 87 Eagle Blonde. That's one of our most popular. We've got our Salt Rock Wit. Uh, bonus Defeat, Robust Porter. Um, let's see. We've got a few others, but uh, they rotate on and off. So. Now, you, you're, I mean, you're a pretty young brewery. Have you won any awards yet? Uh, we have won a couple so far. Um, there were some uh, competitions in Asheville uh, done by Raven Farms where they gave you ingredients from their farm and asked you to brew with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fairly limited competition. I think it was limited to 10 breweries. Um, one year we came in second place and next year we came in first place in that. So fabulous. Um, wow. Now do you do things uh, like me, um, seltzer, just hard cider? Yes. All right. Yes, we did. Uh, that's one of the things after coming out of COVID, uh, knowing that we needed to make some improvements on our business. Uh, we got our winery license so that we could produce cider. Uh, we, so we started producing our own cider. Uh, we also started producing our own seltzer. We've got a, 
five and a half percent seltzer and an 11 percent seltzer wow uh, our 11 percent seltzer is our our answer to the fact that we don't have a liquor license uh, <laughs> and we can make mixed drinks with that That's so fabulous. you can mix it that 11 percent <laughs> seltzer down and still have a decent abv drink so cool all right. Well, we're going to take another break here and we'll come back. We'll finish up with some more information about what you're doing and then uh, some shout outs. All right. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with a gateway to the Spokies podcast with my guest, Corey Bryson. So, Corey, I was talking to Bob Plot, who has introduced us the other day, and I was talking to him, and, you know, I was a beekeeper, all right? Okay. And um, and I was in the beekeeper in the Bronx, right? Uh, South Bronx, no less. Wow. And I helped, I got the community to be involved with everything else. And actually, it's funny that the, the the church of stop shopping, which is a far left order, far left organization, uh-huh. and I'm not far left by any as means, but they said because I was doing this in the South Bronx, they they, they made me a saint of their church. It was a church <laughs> of stop shopping, so I have that accolade on my on my thing. I doubt I could ever run for office because somebody bring that up, but <laughs> but. The the thing that I was discussing with is that yeah I looked it up and you can make like from uh, from a one beehive you know uh, like 120 gallons of mead is, is that something that you guys do is make mead uh, yes as a matter of fact we uh, with our winery license we can make mead we can make grape wine if we wanted mm-hmm. to um, and we actually just released our first mead last week mm-hmm. uh, very small scale uh, only have a very very limited quantity of it. Uh, but it is a uh, 14.2%. Uh, yeah, so that's fortified wine, man. Uh, that's like, yeah. Almost. almost just yeah. below that level. Yeah, right. <laughs> Legally. Um, uh, but yeah, it's made with uh, a bunch of honey and some nutrients for the yeast and just let them do their thing. And it's uh, dry as a bone, but still sweet from, uh, from yeah. all that alcohol. So where do you, uh, where do you get your honey from? Um, this, uh, found a national honey supplier actually oh, really? this batch. Uh, we do have some local, uh, apiaries that we've been talking to. Well, uh, I'll, ta- I'll, t- I'll be talking to you because I, I, when I put in beehives in the South Bronx, the Waldorf started, started using my honey. <laughs> I, I can make good honey, man. Oh, well, my yeah. grandfather kept bees and I helped him <laughs> I, every summer a, with it. So. I grew up here doing honey and <laughs> yeah. I learned how to do it from my grandfather and my father. Yeah. And then I was up there. I also had the benefit of being by the botanical gardens in the Bronx. Ah, yeah. And I got some real wild part yeah, of the I world. Bet there was some interesting <laughs> stuff there. So yeah. anyway, uh, um, it's, um, it's interesting. So you're always thinking of new products, things to do, yeah. right, and things like that. So what's your future? What are you going to be doing next? Uh, well, at the moment, we need to uh, expand a little. Mm-hmm. Um, as we discussed, I have a very small brew house. So I need to uh, expand that uh, and also expand our kitchen mm-hmm. uh, because our kitchen is very small at the moment. Um, so we're working on on a plan to do that. And uh Hoping to uh, eventually have a second location. Where would so, you think you? Where do you think about having another location? Um, we're hoping for Haywood County. So. Maggie Valley, Maggie Valley, Maggie Valley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, yeah. That would be great. Yeah. We need a brewery. We need a brewery in Maggie Valley. We got a distillery, but yeah. Uh, and I want to have a I want to have a craft beverage uh, at the festival grounds. You know, festival. Okay. That would be cool, right? Yeah. 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 I think that'd be good. So yeah, I, I use this podcast to like put you on the spot <laughs> to get. <laughs> well, yeah, we can't forget our friends at Bear Waters. They do have a. They are great. Uh, They're good. A little They're, brewery down the street. Yeah, yeah, they have a good. They have good. They have good food. I mean, I you know yeah, I love they. I love they even have gluten free pizza, right? Yeah. But uh, so they do a good job. But you know they. Uh, and uh, you know they're they also get a lot of business from you know during the winter, which nobody else does because they're near the ski resort, mm, right? Yeah. So, but uh, there's there's room in this county for another brewery or two, I think. And everybody still do well. It's like said, so. let's build the pie bigger, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. And that and as breweries come in, everyone says, well, oh, there's got to be too many breweries now. Mm. I mean, you look at Asheville; they've got hey, I don't even know. I think there are 25 breweries on South Slope mm-hmm. at this point. Um, but people are still opening breweries. Yeah. Most of them are successful. Cool. I think it all comes down to what your focus is on the business. You know? mm-hmm. So what um, you're in Silva and I, you know, this is a travel travel show. And so somebody comes to Silva to have food and beer at your place. What else did they visit in Silva? Uh, well, we do have the most photographed courthouse in North Carolina or where mm-hmm. they always said it was um, it's a courthouse up on a hill. Actually, not a courthouse anymore. It's now the library. Right. Uh, so that's a, a beautiful uh, opportunity to take pictures and things. Uh, we've got uh, Pinnacle Mountain, which is a nice hike uh, that people can go on. Uh, there's lots of waterfalls and other places to hike. There are lakes. Uh, and if somebody, you know, since you don't serve breakfast, what would be a good place to go get breakfast? Oh, let's see. Well, if you're just looking for uh, for just some your regular greasy spoon, there's the coffee shop. And everybody Dalton, mentions Arizona. that one. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for something a little bit um, a little bit higher class, we do have a White Moon Cafe is in downtown. Also, City Lights um, Cafe. Uh, they both serve breakfast. Um, and there are probably a few other places. I think. Um, there's some new places that I don't haven't necessarily been to yet. But, All right, but, cool. And then, I mean, you you serve lunch and dinner, but you yes. know, somebody's not going to eat it you twice in the same day. So, hey, where would have. Well, I know, <laughs> but where would be the other place that they would eat lunch or dinner? Um, <laughs> Lulu's down the street. They're uh, they're a really nice uh, sit down restaurant. Uh, we've got Ilda's, which is kind of a they call it a cross between Italian and Southern food. Um, it's really good. Um, <clears throat> of course, we have your standard Mexican restaurants and everything like Guadalupe, that. Guadalupe's. Uh, yeah. Guadalupe's. Yeah, that's, that's, a, a, that's a real popular place. Yeah. Cool. Um, so. so how can people find out more about you, your hours of operation, that sort of thing? Uh, well, Monday through Friday, we're open 11 to 10. Uh-huh. Uh, Saturdays and Sundays, we do open early at 10 a.m. for brunch uh, and closing in at 10 p.m. Uh, they can find out more about us uh, on Facebook or Instagram, uh, Balsam Falls Brewing. Uh, it's also balsamfallsbrewing.com. Cool. And how about you? Do you have any uh, uh, any uh, social media that you are uh, talking about out there, you know, promoting things, things like that? They can follow you um, or your wife. No, nah, I don't do a whole lot. I mean, oh, you should do TikTok <laughs> at least. <Yeah. laughs> 
Shows how to cook uh, cook some stuff. Actually, know. my wife just started doing Instagram, and she's all right. She was telling me the other day how many followers she has. So, uh, um, but what's her I, Instagram? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's I, listening too, right? Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> she's probably listening. Uh, you know, and I, w- I pulled out my phone earlier and went to go to her Instagram for Balsam Falls, and I'm like. Hmm. They changed the password on me, didn't they? So yeah, I don't even have a personal Instagram account. So yeah, well, that's all right. Um, <laughs> I think it's been great to have you on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been great to be here. Yeah, it's been a good uh, good to find out about this. I love the brewery scene in North Carolina. I'd love to see it even more. Maggie Valley, I love Bear Water being here, but even more. Yeah. Uh, so I encourage you to look at Maggie Valley for your <laughs> opportunities, uh, and I think it'd be great. So um, this is uh, the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. You can find out more about us at um, facebook.com slash gateway to the Smokies podcast. We also um, are, we actually have um, all our videos on smokiesadventure.com. You can go there and you'll see the link at the top of the uh, Smokies Adventure. So we have not only the the shows, but we have transcripts so you can read it and find things that you want to do and other information and newsletter you can sign up for. This uh, podcast is on talkradio.nyc network. Uh, It broadcasts first into New York City um, and and other uh, places. It's a live network of lots of podcasts, uh, ranging from small business to other travel shows, to self-help, to, you know, to, um, to cats and dogs, anything, you know, a lot of different things. And it's, it's seven days a week, you know, many hours out of the day. So go to talkradio.nyc to uh, look for shows that you might find interesting. I love the live show format because um, you can find out, you have a very vital experience. Uh, I also run another podcast on this network called Wise Content Creates Wealth. I will help people understand how to use content marketing and SEO to build their business, which is something I'm doing for the businesses I'm doing, um, which is the Metal Art Motel. Um, and it's a very successful approach. And I'm sharing the information I learned on how to do that uh, there. And that's on Fridays from noon until one. So, but this podcast game with the Smokies is on Tuesdays from six to seven. I look forward to being here next week and having you join us to listen to the next great expert from the Smoky Mountains. Thank you very much. Bye. 